Hey everyone, welcome in to another daily editorial here on the KE Report. Corey and Chad here chatting with Joel Alconan, co-host of the Benzinga Pre-Market Prep Show, also editor of the Pre-Market Prep website. Now Joel, as we usually do, I do want to start with the broad averages here and I have to say, as much as we do talk to a few, let's just call them market bears that are always trying to look for either holes in the economic data or weakness within the markets, fact of the matter is we look at something like the S&P and the S&P looks like and it looks like it's going to close in the red for this week just marginally. But that would mean 14 out of the last 16 weeks, the S&P has closed the week higher. Now, from these bears, we continue to hear about the weak breadth. But fact of the matter is, look, th- this is seemingly a bull market when you have this kind of a run in the broad averages. What's your takeaway here, Joel, from watching the charts, which continue to seem strong for the broad averages, but then I'm sure you hear it too, weak breadth is what the bears keep on touting. Uh, Good afternoon, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Uh, Don't count your chickens before they hatch. Uh, We closed last week at 50.44. We're currently trading a couple ticks uh, above that. I mean, what you have here, gentlemen, is a tale of two markets, right? You have the tech in the AI, right? And uh, related uh, technologies, chip stocks. Um, And then you have the small caps. And the thing about the, the, the tech stocks is they got plenty of cash. They don't need cash. They got more cash burning holes in their pockets than they know what to do with. And they're either buying back their stock or sitting in the bank and making money. Meanwhile, your small caps are very dependent on, on interest rates and borrowing money to sustain their businesses. So with the data that you have this week, uh, shows that, you know, the one, two, four, five, six cuts that were on the table for this year is not necessarily going to take place. But, I, you know, as much as you could talk fundamentally about, you know, what's going on with the interest rates, if you look at the IWM chart on, on a monthly basis, this thing is on the verge of breaking out to the upside. But every time it gets back up to this 205 area, Something happens, but eventually, I, I mean, the, what, the you can't just keep bumping up against monthly resistance without at least popping your head through and faking everybody out. So that's it, man. It's it's a tale of two markets. Yeah, Joel, it definitely is a tale of two markets. Like you're saying, it's the tech and the AI and everybody else. I appreciate you giving some technical levels on the IWM, but could you also give some on the S&P just because I know that's an index that a lot of people track? Chad, how how can I give you resistance when there's no resistance? Is there any Fibonacci extensions? Is there anything you're looking at? Where where is it at, baby? Where is it at? The old Fibonacci extension trick, one of the oldest in the book. You guys know you follow my analysis on, you know, daily, weekly, your dailies lead to your weeklies, your weeklies lead to your monthlies. I only have uh, the all-time closing high, which was from a week ago Friday at uh, 5044. And the all-time high, I believe, was made on Monday. And that's another 20 handles higher. So those are, you know, those are the levels that I can give you. Then what I do after it, like let's say we, well, we've already had a decent size range today, but instead of using Fibonacci projections, what I like to do is I like to use um, average trading range, uh, the nine-day average trading range. And so based on the nine-day average trading range, 
the high for today, you know, if we did exceed that full range, would be very close to that 50, 66, 50. After that, it's just psychological numbers, 5,100, 5,150, 5,200, 6,000, 6,500. I'm getting a little carried away here, but that's what I do. I keep an eye on 50, 66, 50. And then also, I think it's important to keep an eye on the all-time closing high price where we are trading at exactly right now at 50.44. Just one other thing that I want investors to keep in mind is that today is an option expiration. It's a monthly option expiration. So a lot of liquidity that's there in the markets that bought the dip here, you know, that liquidity is going to be off the board. We're not open on Monday, right? Reopening on Tuesday. So Couple different dynamics. If we can get through today, we can get through Tuesday and just, you know, be hanging in this area, then I just think it's just hard to try and call a top. I don't care what, if you got bad breath, a stinky breath, I mean, I don't care. There's money on the sidelines. Managers have missed out on this move. They got to figure something out. So, Joel, back to the small caps. And I want to look at that IWM chart because. Look, when, when I understand that, yes, it's lagging the AI in tech stocks, but just looking at this IWM chart, it is, let's say, just, a, just over 10% away from all-time highs. If it went back to 52-week lows, it would need to drop little more than 20% from where it is. And you look at the monthly, weekly, daily moving averages that a lot of people follow, those are all tilted upwards and they are following price. Price is above those. So it just doesn't seem like it's a complete bear market for the small caps looking at that IWM. No, uh, you've had, uh, you know, what you like to see is you like to see, you know, uh, you know, higher highs and lower lows. And um, so far, you've made a higher low and a higher high uh, uh, this month. It wasn't the same in January. Uh, you did make a, a, a higher low, but you didn't make a higher high. So, boy, I wish I could just send this to you guys and see what I'm looking at. But I'm big on Fib the Fibonacci's that I pay attention to are the 50% retracements. And from that all-time high that was made in November of 21 at 244.46 uh, down to the recent low of the move, 161.67 in October, Boom, 203, that's your 50. And that's where we're trading right now, guys. So you establish a sustained bid, 203, 204, 205. Then, man, I don't care what interest rates are going to go. These these small caps are going to play some catch-up. But resistance is resistance until it's taken out. Well, Joel, as much as we hear that people are still piled into just the Magnificent Seven, that really isn't the way things are shaping up, because in addition to the small caps you just noted, there's other sectors that have started to finally break higher. Healthcare, insurance, cybersecurity, industrials. Aren't you seeing that as a constructive under-the-surface yeah. market breath indicator? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I do. I mean, it, I mean, it all depends. Certain stocks and certain you know sectors like cat and deer, you know, kind of go in different ways, but... Man, they're kind of people are still spending money. I mean, that you know, you you see the numbers. You could also look at these higher inflation numbers, to saying that the economy is still rolling, that the economy is still strong. So, I think it's it's great to see some of the money coming out of uh, you know the magnificent seven, but it is going into other areas. The one that, that the one sector that 
kind of has me uh, perplexed is the energy sector because the crude keeps making nice bumps and it just doesn't, the stocks are still, you know, in their lower part of their range, you know, since going back over the last, you know, a little bit over a year. Um, I'll just give one technical level. Uh, I don't know for if you guys follow Exxon Mobil here, but man, if Exxon Mobil can ever reestablish a 105 bid, uh, that was major support for a long time. It finally cracked it, and it's been major resistance a lot. So, you know, bears are going to be bears, and uh, people that are uh, not in the market are going to poo-poo the market. So you just kind of got to, you know, shut off that Twitter feed and, and, and follow the fundamentals and, and the technicals and, and not worry about, I mean, I, I, I just don't, I don't see that many bears out there, but apparently there are. Yeah, well, Joel, we're, we focus a lot on the resource space and especially in the gold space. There, <laughs> there are a lot of bears for the markets. And again, it's kind of about who you follow. But to your point about energy stocks not reacting to a generally higher oil price, we're seeing that almost across the board in resource sectors outside of uranium, which is in just a raging bull market. Is there something more here that the resource stocks just don't seem to follow higher resource prices? I mean, I'm seeing it in the oil sector. I don't, I don't follow the other uh, resource um, stocks and and uh, the sectors as closely, so I probably can't, I can't comment on that. The one I, I follow closely is oil, but. I mean, the, the, the thing that, that's overhang on gold and, you know, some of these other commodities is, you know, is uh, the higher rates, right? The competition. So, you know, overall, that's, what, that's what's weighing on the commodity sector. Well, Joel, one more sector that's been running, and we don't normally talk to you about it, but I'll throw it at you anyways. That's the cryptoverse. What do you think about wow. Bitcoin's run up to 52000 you know, uh, those people that bought on the ETF day, I mean, they're being rewarded. Uh, it's just, it's here to stay. And, um, you know, it's uh, been redefined as, uh, you know, as another asset class, a limited, uh, limited supply. Whenever you get, you know, regional banking fears, which you had with NYCB and stuff, uh, that kind of, you know, uh, validifies, you know, uh, you know, having a currency that's not tied to the you know to to a a fad or a government uh you know being able to do what it wants with you know money supplies and interest rates so it is what it is it had its boom found support at 40k now over 50k so trend is your friend and um another thing you know when not at all time highs yet but uh just just a safe haven it's an asset class that uh is not going away though uh, a lot of people thought that so the big news this week on the economic front was the inflation data. And broadly, we saw inflation data come out to the upside, higher than estimates. And to your point, Joel, that's kind of pushing back these rate cut expectations. But again, that doesn't seem to matter for these markets. People were saying rate cuts were going to drive these markets higher. They definitely provided a boost on that pivot party. But now that rate cut expectations have come back, the markets are still going higher. So how do we look at that recent inflation data? A lot of people are looking at it as a one-off, you know, that, I mean, look at the, the, the way inflation has come down. I mean, it's come, uh, really almost every month we've had good numbers. So people are just looking at this is like a hiccup. And I, I think more from the interest rate perspective, 
I don't think it's the expectation that that rates are going to be going so much lower, but it's the expectation that they're not going higher. And stability for rates is, you know, almost just as important as rates going down. And when you have, you know, more stable rate environment, does help, uh, you know, people with the fixed income. It, uh, it, you know, it helps some of the banks with are, you know, loaning money at two uh, percent and for the longest time, and now they're having to pay out five percent. You know, it's just stability, and the market likes stability in rates. And I just think with the uh, with the CPI and the PPI this week, it just shows that hey, it's just it's just not going to be as easy as everyone thinks, but. We're still overall, you know, going in the right direction. All right, Joel. Thank you, as always, for your time. It's fun covering these markets on the Friday with you. We'll chat next Friday. I hope you have a great weekend. Okay. Thank you, guys.